0: Hi, welcome to The Fantastic Forecast, episode 601. I'm Dave Elliott, and I have a problem with large piles of dog poop in my yard. I wonder if the guy who owns the Labrador Retriever next door can help me figure out where all this poop is coming from. In every episode of The Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of The Fantastic Four, starting with issue one and going all the way to issue 645. Today, it's Fantastic Four, 611, from December 2012, Foundation, by Jonathan Hickman and Ryan Stegman. And as it says in big letters on the cover, this is the final issue. Yeah, for the second time during the Hickman run, it's the final issue. And the fourth time overall. And we still have some uh, loose ends to tie up in these final two issues of the Fantastic Four and FF by Hickman. And we begin with a major loose end, Doctor Doom. And when we last saw uh, the Infinity Gauntlet wearing Doctor Doom in that other dimension, he was surrounded by and being idolized by a whole army of Doctor Dooms from across the multiverse. It appears that Doom uses his powers from the Infinity Gauntlets to create his own universe, a universe in his image. And if you think that sounds like a bad idea, it was. It only took him seven days to realize what a mistake it was. The universe was a total mess, filled with ugly, evil critters that we see attacking Doctor Doom. And in the present, back at the Baxter Building, Reed and Sue are asleep when adult Valeria enters the room and wakes them up, telling them, we have to go. He needs us. Who? Who needs them? He? Why didn't she just say who? Who talks like that? You can't just drop a pronoun in like that without saying who you're referring to. That's not the way it works. Once again, it's Hickman being trying to be cryptic. It's becoming infuriating. It's just his constant need to have every single thing on every single page be some kind of mystery. But we know she's talking about Doctor Doom. Why can't she? Just, why can't she just say? Doom needs us! So later, in Latveria, at the remains of the old Baxter building that ended up there a year or so ago, Reed and Adult Valeria are looking around for clues. Reed says he thought that Doom was dead. Who told you that? Adult Valeria asks. Reed replies that she did. At least, her younger self did. Adult Valeria must have a very bad memory if she doesn't remember that. She says that he can't always trust her, especially at that age. Yeah, three-year-olds are are not always a reliable source of information. Nathaniel is there too, and he fixed up the portal to the dimension where they stranded Doctor Doom, and the three generations of Richardses head inside. On the other side, they find a group of mindless Doom-worshipping Dooms, and they're by the entryway to another portal. I assume it's the portal to Doom's new universe. So the three Richardses head inside, into Doom World, which is a pretty neat idea, but there's so little time left to do anything with it. We see a giant Doom castle towering over the city of Doomopolis. It seems that Doctor Doom has been overthrown, and the gems of one of his infinity gauntlets have been separated and split up among the six new rulers of this world. Three for the High Priest of Science, and three for the Professors of Magic, of which bear no resemblance to any Harry Potter characters, by the way. They're furry wolf monsters. Reed and the others come to the leaders to petition for the return of Victor Von Doom. Uh, why? That would be like getting gonorrhea from someone, taking antibiotics to cure it, and then going back to the same person and being like, hey, Why don't you give me some more of that gunneria? You got rid of Doom. You don't want Doom back again. He's just gonna come back and be harder to get rid of the next time. The Sixth Rollers ask Doom to beg for his freedom, and he says nothing. But they let him go anyway. And the Richardses carry Doom out of there and back toward the portal. But then the High Priest of Power has second thoughts. He sends two warlords and a Leviathan in pursuit to kill Dr. Doom. Just two warlords? And only one leviathan? That's kinda like pulling your punches, isn't it? When I want someone dead, I always send at least three warlords and no less than two leviathans! At this point, Reed and the others decide to, uh, haul ass out of there. And Doom finally speaks, saying, be not. And somehow, these words from God, well, he is the god of Doomworld, give pause to the Leviathan and the two warlords, allowing the group to escape back through the portal to the Bridge universe. But the Leviathan did follow behind them, and he grabs Dr. Doom with his long tongue. But they all get together, and they wrestle with the tongue! Which is a phrase that hasn't been used very much since the heyday of the rock band KISS in the 1970s. A bunch of those mindless Dooms ran down the tongue into the other universe, and they jump all over the Leviathan, and the real Dr. Doom breaks free. And they close the portal up, and they blow it up. Goodbye, Leviathan. Goodbye, Doomworld. Doom has a few words to say. He says, I was a god, but I found it beneath me. Ugh, likely story. He just couldn't handle the power and the pressure. He's had godlike powers several times before, and he never handles it very well. You would think he would learn by now. Adult Valeria gives Doom a kiss on his metal cheek and says, Say thank you. Consider us even, Richards, he replies, which is the closest he'll ever get to saying thank you. Reed says, let's go home. So later, on Earth, they just got back and Nathaniel announces that he's leaving to travel the multiverse and find all the orphaned Reeds from all the versions of himself that he killed. Is he going to adopt? All the young Reeds? Before they can grow up and become the council of evil Reeds? That plan is so crazy, it just might work. Reed gives his dad a big stretchy armed hug. Adult Valeria is also leaving and tells Reed that her younger self will be a pain over the next few years, and don't be afraid to give her spankings. Which is so creepy in so many ways. I have a feeling that Adult Valeria has grown up with some kind of spanking fetish. She just wants to make sure that her upbringing does not change. She likes them daddy spankings. And you know what, I can't even imagine Reed ever spanking one of his kids, by the way. So that makes it even a stranger thing for her to say. So Nathaniel and Adult Valeria head back into the bridge dimension, and they say that Adult Franklin got what he wanted, a smoother path to ascendancy, to great power. Nathaniel got what he wanted, a chance to save his son. And Valeria? What does she want? Well, it's there in the Bridge universe. Here, I can build, she says. As it seems that she's using her powers to rebuild the fallen temple of the Council of Crazy Reeds. And that is the end of the issue, to be concluded in FF23. Welcome to Fantastic Forecast, episode 601, part 2. It's FF23, from December 2012. Run by Jonathan Hickman and Nick Dragoda. And we head back to two days earlier at the Baxter building, with adult Franklin asking adult Valeria if they're really planning to go back to rescue Doctor Doom. She says, what's a girl to do, right? Uh, Not rescue Doctor Doom is what a girl should do. A girl should do other things, like go to the mall, or wash dishes, or be president of the United States. Good recovery, I must say. So she ends up saying goodbye to Franklin, and off she goes. So later, Adult Franklin is with Young Franklin and that green mutant kid, Leech. Adult Franklin tells his younger self to write, uh, every day any of his cool ideas and put them in a hat. And on training days, they will draw one of those adventures from the hat and do that adventure in the secret universe that exists in Franklin's closet. You know, I used to have secret adventures in my closet when I was a kid, but those adventures usually involved me in a dirty magazine. So they pick up adventure. They pick an adventure from the hat. Why does that, why, why exactly does Franklin own a big black top hat anyway? That's so weird. And the three of them jump into the closet. Once inside, adult Franklin changes his own rules and decides to pick all of the adventures. We do. We do get a glimpse of some of the things that Franklin has written down in that hat, including cloud tunnels, pocket universe fly F-16 to school, Olive Planet, and Moloid Jazz. Moloid Jazz? Very popular in the underground nightclub scene. So off they go through Franklin's universe, doing all kinds of crazy things. Being super spies, encountering vegetarian werewolves, playing video games, meeting non-pacifist dragons? as opposed to the common pacifist dragons, I suppose? There's fighter jets, there's the moloid philharmonic orchestra? He's obsessed with the underground music scene. Superheroes, aliens, space chickens, and what do space chickens taste like? Chickens, vampire school teachers, motorcycles, and then a snack break. As they relax, Adult Franklin tells his younger self not to worry about Valeria being so, so much smarter than he is. One day, she'll say, "I'm nothing compared to you." And Adult Franklin says that as he'll get older, young Franklin will start to understand what she means. It seems that she has the intelligence, but Franklin has the imagination. So they need each other. Off in the distance, they see dinosaurs and cowboys and jello knights. Ooh, I've had many a jello night. And later, after a long day, they all return to Franklin's room, and Adult Franklin puts his tired younger self to bed and tells him that the door is more than it appears to be. Young Franklin is like, Okay. <sighs> Outside the room, Adult Franklin chats with Leech, and he offers to let Leech stay in his room. That night, alone, alone! That's made clear. Leech seems overjoyed to have his own room. And in the classroom, all the smart kids are there and Valeria is on stage teaching. Yes, all these other kids are learning from a three-year-old girl. How embarrassing. And when she asks a question, no one seems to be able to answer, much to her frustration. The door opens and she sees adult Franklin in the doorway on the other side of the room He waves goodbye, she quietly waves back, and then he turns and leaves. And then later, at a bar, adult Franklin is having drinks with Johnny and Ben. And he's telling them a story from the future, about about a battle with Nimrod. The worst name ever for a bad guy, by the way. And Ben was there with Franklin, Leech, and the Impossible Man. But Ben had his clothes burnt off, and then he turned back to human, and he refused to join the battle. Johnny says to Ben, Makes sense. I've seen you naked. We know! We know! So Adult Franklin finishes the story, which involved Ben saving the day while wearing the Impossible Man as a pair of pants. He adds, That was the last time anyone ever saw the Impossible Man. Yeah, I can see that. Adult Franklin adds that because of recent events, the future has changed. So this event from the future probably won't happen now so it's okay to talk about it. Ben can tell that something is on Franklin's mind, and he asks, What's up? Franklin says it's time to say goodbye. And later, he's saying goodbye to Reed and Sue, saying that it's probably a good idea that he leave and not spend any more time with his younger self. Sue has a bunch of questions about the future, about her parenting. Reed sums it all up with one question, asking, Did we do a good job, son? Adult Franklin replies, that the job was perfect. And the story ends with some words about that door. This door is more than it appears to be. It separates who you are from who you can be. And we see young Franklin and Leach opening it up. You do not have to walk through it. You can run. Is that supposed to be profound? Huh. Franklin and Leach run through the door and that is the end of the issue and the end of the Jonathan Hickman run, a run that seems to be widely beloved by fans, but for me, it's just kind of a uh, average. Eh. I mean, you could break the run up into three sections. Really, there's part one, which is Fantastic Four 570 to 588. There's part two, which is FF 1 through 11, and then there's part three, which is Fantastic Four 600 to 611 and FF 12 to 23 running at the same time. To start with, I really enjoyed part one. I thought the art by Eaglesham and Epting was the best, Hickman was introducing new concepts and ideas at a Fast and Furious clip, and the book felt rejuvenated and new, but the team was still the Fantastic Four, still in their classic blue outfits. Whenever I think about the Hickman run, those issues are the ones I remember the most. The introduction of the Council of Reeds. The New Atlanteans and the smart Morloid people and all that crazy stuff. And the events leading up to the death of Johnny Storm. I'd give those 19 issues an A because I thought they were great fun. But then, uh, part two. The future Foundation year. With Spider-Man replacing the Human Torch. First of all, Spider-Man. Worst FF replacement member ever. He does not fit into this book at all. With people like Crystal and She-Hulk, or even the She-Thing, they felt like members of the family. But Spider-Man, he never felt like a member of the family. I mean, he never even took his mask off. In the entire time, I don't think we ever saw Peter Parker. Which is crazy! Also, in those later issues, Valeria took on an even more important role. And as you know, I hate, hate, hate Valeria. I hate that character. I also think those white Future Foundation uniforms are some of the most visually unappealing superhero duds I have ever seen. I was more than happy to breeze through that year of stories in one episode. And then we had part three, the post-Johnny Returns issues, and yet Spider-Man still hangs around. Early on, we got the conclusion to the long-running storyline, and most of these other issues were one or two parts, shorter stories, that, for the most part, I have a hard time remembering. And the fact that there were these two Fantastic Four books running at the same time is not something that I care for. I guess in the past, the Fantastic Four has had spin-off books like Marvel 2 and one or The Thing, Fantastic Force, and even Strange Tales uh, with human, the Human Torch in the 60s. But with these FF series, that's the first time there's been a spin-off book that was kind of essential reading if you were also reading the Fantastic Four. And since most of those issues focused on the kids, who I don't care for, I found this last stretch of issues barely tolerable. Uh, By the way, I hate when Marvel does that. They have one book that is good and successful, so they beat a dead horse and they publish extra books, which ruins everything. I think the X-Men was a great book, up until they started publishing the second X-Men book in the 1990s. I think the Avengers used to be a great book, until they started publishing a dozen Avengers titles every month. Guardians of the Galaxy used to be one of my favorite books. Up until the movie came out and Marvel started started publishing like half a dozen Guardians of the Galaxy titles every month. So if you ask me, FF gets a big thumbs down. And by the way, the return of Adult Franklin again? Did we need that? No. I think we had our feel of Adult Franklin during the DeFalco run. If I never see Adult Franklin or Adult Valeria again, I'll be very happy. So in a text page at the end of the issue, Hickman gives his theory on why the book was so successful during his run. He says it's because he focused on the family, and it was a family dynamic that people enjoyed. And in a world that sucks, it was love, boundless, unconditional love between the characters, that brought readers to the book. Well, this was almost five years ago. If they do ever bring back the Fantastic Four, they should make the characters like, really evil and nasty to go along with our current times, to make them more relevant. Because, hey, hate Trump's love, right? As of this recording in July 2017, there's still no sign of the return of the Fantastic Four, even though Johnny and Ben are coming back in the return of Marvel 2 and one So that's the Hickman run. Starting next issue is the Matt Fraction-Mark Bagley run in Fantastic Four Volume 4. There are 16 issues of that. And then Volume 5 by James Robinson and Leonard Kirk, and that's 18 issues. Plots are Secret Wars 3 or whatever we should call it. There's also an FF Volume 2, which I won't be covering now because if I recall, those issues don't really cross over with the main title as Volume 1 did. So, that's all for today. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at podcastff. Or you can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Other night, i just a nice continental drift of vibe. Mount St. Edelweiss, Land Nerd, Bernstein, BNN, Freshness, Plenty Bruce, and Buster Banks. Birthday party, GSK, Jelly Bean, boom, you're symbiotic, patriotic. Right.